You can be seated. Good morning. I am Pastor Mike. I get the very special privilege of being the pastor of this church, and I get the very special privilege of having you as our guests. So welcome. I'm glad you're here. Now, what? just a little icebreaker. We come to celebrate a couple of lives today. Uh, many of you came to celebrate Lewis Tim's life and a life well lived. Uh, I've often thought, you know, at, at Lewis's passing that that uh, the Sassoon Valley will, will be reduced by one really great historian. You know, Lewis knew the Sassoon Valley. Uh, he knew all the stuff. He knew the people. He knew the crops. He knew the, how to do stuff. Uh, if you ever visited his backyard, he had a little bit of Sassoon Valley right there. And uh, I always enjoyed going over there because he would always try to send you home with fruit or food or feed you or do something. And uh, it was just a pleasure to be there. But today we're going to remember his life. We're also going to remember the life of Jesus Christ, uh, to whom Lewis gave his life. Amen. And so, <laughs> Pat, you can join these guys right over here. <laughs> and, and, and we'll just have a rooting section right there. Okay. And, uh, and that's, that's awesome. I think that that's one of the, I think that's the thing, the thing. Today we're going to talk about, in fact, the title of today's message is, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And uh, that's maybe something, a question we need to ask every day. But before we do that, I want to give you an opportunity to share a little bit about what you knew about Lewis. Now, how many of you have a fear of speaking in public? Okay. How many of you are fearful? Remember when you were in school, your teacher would give you the opportunity to be the first. She would go through and say, okay, you get to be first. If you want to do your presentation, you can be first. And nobody would do that. So today we're going to start with the second person. Who would, like to, who would like to be second? I'll be first. You, you can be second. But maybe share a little bit about what you remember about Lewis. Because I think this is one of those things that, that we all knew Lewis, but we didn't know everything about Lewis. You know some stuff that we would benefit from as we build this kind of memorial to his life. And if you've ever gone to a city, you know, where they have statues around the city. I remember going to Kansas City and they have all of these fountains in Kansas City that are dedicated to certain things that happened in the history of the, uh, of the city. And today we're going to kind of erect a monument of memories to Lewis's life. And I want you to be able to contribute your thing to the monument because I want every one of us to go out of here with that monument stuck in our heads. And I want you to visit it every once in a while and remember Lewis's life. Because if you're here today, he had impact on you. If you're here today, had impact on you. And as we remember that, and I never like to think of people in the past tense. You know, Lewis is. It's not that he was. He is. He's just not here with us today. He has gone on to be with the Lord in heaven, and uh, he's waiting for us. And so, therefore, I would like to have his impact in my life kind of on a regular basis. And so, if you'd be so kind as to share some of the thoughts that you have about Lewis's life, uh, we would love to hear it. Who would like to be second? Carl Ann, thank you for being second. Well, I just want to thank Lewis uh, for uh, helping my son Aaron, who's supposed to be here today. <laughs> Spoken like a true mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Lou uh, took his um, a resume at the oil refinery and got Aaron a job, and he will be retiring at the end of this so grateful for that. And he always trimmed our trees. 
<laughs> he knew how to do that. <laughs> okay, awesome. Somebody else. <laughs> yes, I see hands in the back, but I don't see faces yet. Hi, Lisa. I'm his next door neighbor. Hi, Lisa. Oh, I d- I've heard about you, but I've never met you. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> He's a vigilant man. <laughs> okay, somebody else. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, Lisa. Go ahead. You were too close. <laughs> um, I remember his humor. <laughs> and one of the... <laughs> but one of the things I remember is when um, he was dying and we were different people were coming in to visit with him. I'll never forget when Marie showed up. <laughs> and he, you know, he was laying there and everything, and he was kind of in and out. And she goes, Lewis, Lewis, it's me, it's Marie. And this big grin went across his face, right? Big, giant grin. And then Pat's on the other side. She goes, I'm here too, baby, I'm here too. And he just goes, his face just went dead like. <laughs> Except Pat. Just, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she was like, yeah, but she was like, she was, well, thank you very much. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, he, had his, he had his girlfriends uh-huh. that he liked to smile. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, somebody else? Yes, Ron. I'm, my name is Ron Cortese, and we used to have a camping group. Mm-hmm. Some of the greatest memories that, you know, that most families have are built around camping. I, I love the fact that Lewis did that. Yes? I've known Lewis Jim for a long time. Uh, we were in 4-H together. We were in uh, FSA together. Uh, he went to that school that's still there on Abernathy Lane. Road. He was a great guy. We had a lot of fun together. And I was his mailman for 30 years, so I know more about him. You didn't know <laughs> Now, did you read his mail? <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. If you were around Lewis for very long at all, you had fun. All the way in the back.
Absolutely. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Somebody else? Yes, Yvonne. <laughs> I know that for a fact. <laughs> okay, somebody else? Oh, go ahead. Um, Speak real loud because you're in the front. Yeah, my sister and I used to be babysit by Pat and Lewis and Ronnie and Laura. And every once in a while with the Burke kids. Well, one day my sister was scared of a dog, so my sister in the bedroom by herself <laughs> and I got I said watch this guy and I put the dog in the bedroom <laughs> and, uh, no, but just let me interject here you might get arrested for that today <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just saying well the beating that came next was <laughs> and uh, let me interject here you might get arrested for doing that as well <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard a woman scream like that. <laughs> and one other time, Ronnie and I had been haunting about Dove hunting the property out by the freeway, and he was scared that we'd shoot cars instead of doves. <laughs> but he, had, he told us together that he had faith in us not to do anything, and he let us go hunt. <laughs> Was that a smart decision or? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. okay, someone else. Yes, Marnie. Well, um, when our family came to First Baptist um, years ago, uh, we were got in on the camping route, but we were the poor ones in the camps. <laughs> <laughs> 
blueberry bubbling cobbler in their camper and fed everybody on the campground. It was like Jesus and the fish and the loaves. <laughs> It's one thing for somebody to impact me and us, but it's another thing for them to impact my kids. I mean, that's huge. That's huge. Okay. Well, see, I was expecting when she said that blackberry cobbler bubbling that he ate it himself. <laughs> <laughs> he could. That man could not stay away from sweets. Uh-huh. Um, if there was something in the house, it's like he had a radar. He'd find it. And Laura, my daughter, would go uh-huh. over there and help out and everything, and she would make cookies, or she would make breads, or she would just do some sort of treat thing. And her and Pat would try to hide the majority of it. He would find it. It was like, even when he couldn't move around too much, he'd find those sweets. It's a, it's, it's a small house. <laughs> it didn't matter where they were. different places. He, he wanted those sweets, and that was him. So I was really expecting the fact that he ate the whole cobbler before it got me. Yeah. Well, here, just so that most of you probably already know this, but when you have a family that eats your sweets, what you have to do is cultivate a taste for something that they dislike. Okay, I'm just, I'm just going to throw that out there. But Lewis didn't dislike anything. <laughs> if it was sweet, he liked it. Okay, someone else. Okay, Bill. I just want to finish. Um, I didn't know Lewis that long until he came here actually that we started to uh, we learned about each other and uh, things that we had in common and once once we've established that you know he was from the valley it was all it took man it, it, as soon as we saw each other there was something that would pop up and would take us back to a, a time where you know we worked hard during the day and uh, worried about curl leaf and uh, stuff like that but I love the idea that I could see the twinkle in his eye when he would talk about those times and, uh, and, it, and it filled my heart, too, to think that uh, I may have not stepped in the same spot that he did at the same time, but we crossed paths through our lives, and we got to share those moments and talk about those things. And the people, you know, Mr. Yi and uh, Mr. Mariano here, and uh, I, guess that's what, I guess that's the pleasure that we get from each other, that we get that opportunity to share our life with each other. And he did that with me, and it always put a smile on my face. Uh, I don't think he ever got mad. In fact, he might argue with me on that one. But <laughs> <laughs> he was just very conscious in his mind about what was going on in his, you know, in his life and in his past, and he shared that with me. And I appreciate him for that. Okay. Yeah, there's somebody. Yes. Okay, Pat. I want to thank the Lord that we spent 63 years together. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and just so that you're aware, that's beyond the national average. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, there was somebody else. Larry. Hi, I'm Larry. Um, I didn't see Lewis very often, but 
Did you ever exaggerate the size of your fish? Okay. That's a true fisherman. Higher, you know. That's a, somebody else? Yes. I want to know now, too. <laughs> well, we were camping down on the, whatever you call it, the belter. And um, we had been there one whole day, and then that night we went to bed, and I heard some scratching. And I woke him up. I said, look, I said, something's in this motorhome. He says, yeah, me and you. <laughs> and uh, he listened, and he says, I hear it, too. And he got up. And he was in his underwear, and he put on his bathrobe. I won't ever forget. He on that bathrobe. It was open down the front, but he had on the ball hat. And he sat that gas lantern on the back of the seat where we sat to eat. And I thought, oh, Lord, he's going to knock that thing over, and we're going to blow up. But he got out his gun. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, it's a mouse. <laughs> and he, he sat up there, and he in the motorhome in the motor wait just one thing you can get arrested for that too My response would have been, what gun? <laughs> okay, someone else? I got one more thing. Okay, go ahead, Lisa. Whenever I would go in to the house and everything, I'd say, hey, Lewis, and he'd always say, how you doing? <laughs> and it always made me think of that would be Joey from Friends when he was old. <laughs> <laughs> because he would just say, how you doing? Uh -huh. You know, and I'm fine, how are you? But it just cracked me up that he did that, and I didn't even think, he probably didn't <laughs> okay, we got time for 10 more. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. I don't want you to go away unsatisfied. Okay, today I want to, I want to talk about Lewis's life in context of what are you going to do with the rest of your life. There's a man in the Bible that's uh, it's, it's really kind of a cool kind of a cool story. It's about a king. And I'll be honest, Israel didn't have a lot of really good kings, uh, but this king was a good king. He was really a good king. His name was Hezekiah. And in 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 2 through 7, it says this. He was 25 years old when he became king. Now, I've just discovered something that's wrong with trying to use your phone. 
the letters just aren't quite big enough. Okay. I know. You, maybe if you guys read it to me. Okay. It's 25 years he became king and he uh, reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. Now, I think that's a cool thing to be said about your life, uh, that he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. And as I hear about Lewis's life, I hear a lot of things that God would say, that's pleasing to me. The way he brought Ned into the men's fellowship, you know, didn't preach to him. And sometimes I think that we can have too much biblical knowledge uh, that we just overwhelm somebody with it instead of just saying, hey, why don't you come with me and find out? Okay, but Hezekiah did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. And it goes on and says uh, that Hezekiah trusted in the Lord. Uh, there, was one, there was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his reign or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything and carefully obeyed the commands of the Lord uh, had given Moses. So the Lord was with him and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. Now, at the end of your life, wouldn't you like to have that to be descriptive about you? You know, successful in everything you did, you know, and, and, you know, when we think about success, we think about money, wealth, you know, maybe some notoriety or whatever. But Hezekiah was successful in that he was able to lead people. He was able to influence them properly. And as I hear about Lewis's life, he influenced a lot of people properly. Uh, He did some damage to the mice, but, uh, you know, (laughs) maybe we can take that into consideration. But later on in Hezekiah's life, it's about time for him to die. And it's getting near the end of his life. And and Hezekiah kind of balks at that. And I don't know about you, but if it's time for to die, I don't, I've never been in that situation. But I, I might not be quite ready. I might want to still spend some more time with my family. I might want to spend some more time maybe being an influence for God. Uh, but here's Hezekiah, and it says this. Later, Hezekiah got sick. He was about to die. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, visited him and said, God says, prepare your affairs and your family. This is it. You're going to die. Uh, you, know, you never thought the Bible was written quite like that, did you? You, know, you might be of the vintage that says, thou shalt dieth or something like that. Uh, but it says you're not going to get well. Hezekiah turned away from Isaiah and facing the wall, he prayed to God. He said, God, please, I beg you, remember how I've lived my life. I've lived faithfully in your presence, lived out of a heart that was totally yours. You've seen how I've lived, the good that I've done. Then God said, I've heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Here's what I'll do. I'll add 15 years to your life. Man, that's pretty cool. And here's Isaiah giving this message, you know, to to Hezekiah. And Hezekiah, you know, he's wanting more time. He wants more time. But because he'd been faithful to God, because he had been useful to God, because he had been uh, a man after God's own heart is what, you know, David was referred to as. And Hezekiah was similar to that. And now here he is, he says, I'll give you 15 more years so that you can keep doing what you've been doing. Now, if you had a conversation with God today and you said, God, give me 15 more years to keep doing what I've been doing, how do you think he'd respond? I don't know. (laughs) I'm not going to use me as an example here at all. I'm going to use you as an example. Uh, but, But, you know, I just wonder what would happen with that. And so from this, I want to find out what was it, what was it? that Hezekiah had going for him that caused God to say, I'll give you 15 more years of life. And I've come up with five things I think that God wants from every one of us. Okay, so I'm glad that you're here today. Now, I've often thought, you know, you know, we come to a time like this to say goodbye to Lewis, right? We come to say goodbye. And I don't think that that's the proper term. I think we ought to come and say, hey, I'll see you later. But the problem with that is, the problem with that is that not all of us will probably see him later. 
Okay, not all of us. Because it's going to require a reservation. And you need a reservation in heaven. And so the first point that I want to make is that God wants me to center my life around him. God wants me to center my life around him. Now, if you were one of the first 70 people to get here today, you got an outline. And that's the fill-in for the first outline. Now, if you were number 71 and beyond, you don't have one. So I apologize for that. And I'll just say this, oh, me of little faith. You know? And so, so today, I want you to know that God wants you to center your life around him. And, it, and here's how it says it in Matthew 22, 37 through 38. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. If you had to boil Christianity down to one thing, or if you had to boil down your existence in this world to one thing, it would be that. Love God. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and then later on we'll add, with all your strength. So therefore, love God. What do we know love as? You know, I love my wife, and I worship the ground she walks on. Chuck laughed a little bit. <laughs> He's not sure that's absolutely true. He feels the same way. About my wife? Oh, okay. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, Chuck, you need to leave right now. <laughs> but that's, you know, when we love somebody like that, you know, they, it kind of tantamount to worship. Now, when we love somebody with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, that's what worship is. This morning we sang some songs, right? And we call that worship. Eh, I'm not all sold on that. Okay? I think worship is my way of telling God that I love him. So when we sing songs that reflect my love for God, that's worship. When I pray to God and I say, hey, I'm cool with whatever you want to do in my life, that's worship. And so my worship of God is, is indicative of my love for him. And my love for him is equal to my worship of him. So when we get this command here that says, this is the first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, then that is what worship truly is. In Philippians 4, verse 7, uh, the Apostle Paul writes a letter to this church in Philippi. And he says this, A sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. Now, what's the antithesis to worship? I'm going to say fear, anxiety, you know. And when I have fear and anxiety, what it's indicative of is my lack of trust of God's provision for me. The lack of trust for what God has ordained to be uh, in my purview. And so therefore, Paul says, a sense of God's wholeness, uh, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. So when we love God, it displaces worry. Now, I know, I, am, I, am, I have acquaintances that are world-class worriers. I mean, they are world-class. They worry about stuff that's never going to happen. Okay? And so, therefore, it, for me, my love for God displaces that worry because I can trust in his sovereignty. God is in charge, and whatever God provides for me, I'm going to be good with. So love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and that's what we're going to call centering our lives around God. Okay, number two, there's a second thing that God wants me to do. Now, Lewis did that. Lewis made God the center of his life. Okay? Ned invited him to, or, or he invited Ned to a men's ministry. It changed Ned's life. Every one of you that's a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, has had that experience. Now, in 1969, that's when Lewis came to know Christ. And in 1969, he was baptized. 
He became a follower of Jesus Christ. In 1969, he had a world-changing viewpoint. And he said, there's other people out there that need to know Jesus like I know Jesus. And so therefore, he connected with God and made him the center of his life. Now, if you want to meet up with Lewis again, that's what needs to happen in your life. You need to make God the center of your life. You need to, and, and when Lewis came to this awareness, it was about who he was. And I believe the Bible's really a cool book. It tells you who you are, and it tells you who God is, and it tells you how to get the two matched up. Okay? It tells you how to connect with God. And so Lewis came to the realization that, that he wasn't all that good. You know, there's two ways to get to heaven, I believe. Uh, one is uh, that you can be perfect. Anybody here getting there that way? Okay. Okay. No, none of us are getting there because we're perfect. Okay. The second way is to receive the forgiveness of Christ. Christ died on a cross to pay for the penalty of my sinfulness, your sinfulness, everybody's sinfulness. And so therefore, when I commit to follow him and accept that as my payment, then I get a chance. I get my, I get my reservation in heaven. And so that's how we're going to get to see Lewis again, making Christ the center of our lives so that we can then be connected with God. Number two. Now, once we get, make Jesus the center of our lives, number two, God wants me to connect with believers. He wants us to come to church, connect with believers, have fellowship is what we call this. Uh, and I was like, I always grew up in a church where anytime fellowship was mentioned, it indicated that we were going to eat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we we're going to eat. And I kind of liked that idea because I knew that there were ladies in the church that were killer at making dessert, you know. And so... Uh, I might even encourage them to make, prepare my favorite. I don't do that anymore much, but uh, if somebody brought a chocolate cake today, you'll be my favorite person. Okay? But God wants us to connect with believers. It's fellowship. It's more than just eating together. It's connecting at the soul, connecting our souls together. We have this, this common experience with Jesus. We have his heart in each one of us. We have his desires in each one of us. And so that draws us together. And so God wants us to connect with believers. In Hebrews 10.25, it says this. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage each other. Let us encourage. And when you come to church, if you don't go away encouraged, find a new church. If you come to this church and you don't feel encouraged, talk to me first before you find another church. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, verses 41 and 42. Uh, it's talking about this initiation of the first church. Okay, after Jesus died, he sent his disciples out and they started these churches. And these churches were awesome because it says this. Those who believed, okay, believed and made Jesus the center of their lives were baptized and added to the church. They joined with other believers and connected themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They worshiped together regularly at the temple and met in small groups and homes. And that's what believers do. That's why it's so important to be connected to believers because that's how you grow. That's how you grow. And so, therefore, when we connect to believers, we get a chance to grow. Number three, there's a third thing that we need to, that God wants us to do, and that is God wants me to cultivate spiritual maturity. He doesn't want me just to come to church and sit on a log and just say, check off the box and say, I went to church. He wants us to grow, to know him more, to know him more intimately, to follow him more closely, uh, to be involved with him in what he's doing. Hebrews 6.1 says this, let us go on and become mature in our understanding as strong Christians ought to be. Let us become mature in our understanding. 
So on the surface, there's, man, I need to be, make Jesus the center of my life. But man, I need to understand some other things about this as well. So I'm going to learn and I'm going to grow. In Hebrews 5.12, it says, by now you should be teachers. Instead, you still need someone to teach you. He was kind of getting on the Hebrews a little bit. He says, you guys are kind of lagging behind. And he says, by now you ought to be teachers. You ought to be more mature than you are currently. Okay? There's a fourth thing that God wants us to do too. And that is, God wants me to contribute something back. We call this ministry in the church. God wants me to be involved in some kind of ministry. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, God has given each of you some special abilities. Now, when you make Jesus the center of your life and when you get connected with him, he gives you some insights, he gives you some, some tools, he gives you some gifts that you can use to benefit other people's lives. And this is what Peter's talking about. He says, God has given you each some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other. Now, as I was listening to Lewis's life being portrayed here, uh, he did a lot of stuff to help a lot of people. He helped people. Even if he just talked to you about fishing like he did with Larry, it helped connect him with Larry. It caused him to be uh, part of the bigger picture. And so Lewis had a way of doing that. When he would come to church, he would always ask what you're doing here, what you're doing there. And he might even not even remember what your, what your job is, but he'd ask you about your job, and maybe he would assign you a job that you really didn't have. And uh, I, I've seen him do that as well. Uh, but he was interested in people. He wanted to contribute something back to them. In Psalm 116.12, in the Old Testament, it says, uh, What can I give back to God for the blessings he's poured out on me? What can I give back to God? How can I let other people know about the goodness that he has? What can I give back to God to let him know how thankful I am for what he's done for me? So we call this ministry, giving something back and being able to contribute to someone else. And then finally, the fifth thing that God wants us to do is God wants me to communicate his love. Okay? You guys have done that today. Okay? Some of you have been here and you've communicated your love for Lewis. And God wants us to communicate our love for him. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 20, it says, Through Christ, God has made peace between us and himself, and he gave us the work of telling everyone about the peace we can have with him. So we have been sent to speak for Christ. Okay? And how do you speak for Christ? A lot of people think, well, you have to memorize a bunch of scriptures. You have to know a lot of stuff. You have to do this. You have to do that. Now, nah, all you have to do is love somebody. Love somebody. And I always tell people, you know, you can love somebody simply by wanting God's best for them and being willing to provide it when it's in your grasp. Being able to help somebody to do something that God wants done. And if you can assist them in that, that's what love is. Doing something for someone else. You know, my wife, I love my wife. But she will never know that unless I help her with the dishes. Okay? Unless I help her gas her car. Unless I help her do something. That's how we show love. By doing things for people that we care about. And that's what God wants. God wants us to show our love for him by doing things for others and the people that he cares about. I'm going to ask you to bow for me just for a moment here. And I'm going to ask you to, to kind of evaluate, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? You know, you might be here today and you might not know Jesus as the center of your life. You might not have done that yet. I want to give you the opportunity to do that because now if you can do that, you can have this ability to, to go beyond this life and experience life in heaven with God and with Lewis. First thing that we need to do is re- recognize that we've done some things that, are, that we can't account for, that we can't make right. And the Bible calls that stuff sin. You know, wanting to do good and not doing it or doing things that we know are wrong. And how do we 
how do we take care of that stuff? Well, Jesus came and died on a cross to pay the penalty for what we've done wrong. And so therefore, I just want you to maybe in your prayer right now, just to admit to God, you know, I've done some stuff wrong. I admit, I've, I've choked. I've hurt some people maybe. I've done some things that are selfish. And you might want to just admit that to God. Second thing I want you to do is ask him to forgive you. And God is the only one who can forgive sin because he's the one who sent his son to pay for it. And so therefore, I'm going to ask you to ask him to forgive you for that. And the third thing I'm going to ask you to do is tell God that you're going to follow him for the rest of your life. You're going to make him the center of your life. You're going to follow him. And the things that you do, the things that you speak, the things that, that um, you do at work, at your home, in your neighborhood, they're going to be centered around Jesus and his love for other people. Father, we bow before you today. Lord, I pray that there have been prayers made already, admitting that every one of us is sinful. Lord, the sin desire may not go away, but Lord, we can certainly receive forgiveness for the sins that we've committed, for the things, sins that we will commit. But Lord, we want you to know that we want to live holy lives. We don't want to do that. We don't want to sin. But Lord, we know that you are a forgiving God, and we ask you to forgive us. Lord, I pray that we would recognize you as the center of our lives, that we would make you the, the supreme leader of our lives, that we would follow you wherever you lead, and that we'd have trust and faith in you. And Lord, that through that trust and faith, it would eliminate all of our anxieties and fears. Lord, today, we thank you for bringing salvation to people in this very room, for giving them the opportunity now to live with you for eternity in heaven. And Lord, that we will see Lewis again. Lord, I thank you so much for his life. These people here are here because of him. But Lord, I believe that you've drawn them here and that you've made it possible for them to hear about Lewis's life in all of its fullness. So Lord, today we give you praise and we give you thanks. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.